What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish Conversations, a series in which I, Jerome Moore, sits down with prominent figures in Nashville, Tennessee to talk about social issues over amazing deep dish pizza. Deep Dish Conversations models how to have conversations about deep issues around racism, housing, policing, poverty, and more. Plus, you will get an idea for where to get your next slice of pizza from. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy Deep Dish Conversations. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Jerome Moore of Deep Dish Conversations. We're here with another amazing episode because all of our episodes are amazing. But today is really special. Uh, we have Buddy Teaster, the CEO and president for Souls of Souls, based right here in Nashville, international uh, organization. Yep. And I'm an international man myself, so I'm really looking forward to talking <laughs> about this international space. Buddy, how's it going? Good. Pleasure to be here. I know we had to move it a few times because of covid but i'm thrilled to be here oh we, we season two season we, two season two season two season two uh you took your first bite how's it taste it's going to be a contest between <laughs> pay attention to you and pay attention to the pizza i'm gonna do my best to pay attention to you but well we'll get right into it and so as i mentioned buddy is the ceo and president of souls of souls uh, can you tell us a little bit for people? I know a lot about Souls of Souls, yep. apparently. Okay, clearly, I have my get your, your uh, bracelet. I get saw your, I, no, look, so quick story. I've had this same bracelet. I've always I have two of them, and I kept like, a spare one and one on me. So I've least I had this for like at least seven years. Wow, at least. And I've and, and I think I've given maybe one away. So maybe this might be about like out of the two that I have. Right. Because when you travel, people's like, oh, I like that. Yep. But like literally, so like get you a bracelet. Get you a get you <laughs> absolutely. A uh, but can you tell us a little bit about social souls and the social enterprise model? Sure. So we've been around since two thousand six. Okay. And the model has changed a lot. We started really even before it was officially an organization as a disaster response organization. The, mm-hmm. the people who started it came from the food industry. Some of them did and they collected shoes for the tsunami in Southeast Asia in 2004. Okay. Then when Hurricane Katrina hit, they came back and said, we should, we should help again. Mm-hmm. And after that, he said, maybe we have an idea here. Let's do something more. Since that time, we've collected uh, 55 million pairs of shoes. Wow. Um, probably we're getting close to 25 million pieces of apparel that's become really important to us too. And the reason we do all that we've gotten really clear is we use shoes and clothes to create opportunity for people. Right. And there are, there are lots of ways to think about opportunity. One of the most important ones for me was really what drew me to Souls for Souls is how do you use shoes and clothes as an opportunity, as a way for people to create opportunity for themselves by earning an income. So right. they might start a small business, you might create jobs for other people, but stuff that you and I drone don't use, it's in our closets, we don't, right. doesn't fit, it's too old, whatever. If you get that in the right people's hands, they can turn that into food, education, housing for their families. It's a right. it's a powerful model. Yeah. I heard you mention um, that. I think you maybe were referring to um, to Haiti specifically, but I heard you mention that you know there's not a lack of work ethic. Oh my God! In, no. in many of these countries, or as we see, you know, developing countries, it's just like opportunity. It's like there's there's not maybe enough resources and things like that. You know, that was one of the first. I started at Social Souls in 2012, mm-hmm. and I traveled to Haiti for the first time in January of 2013. And I was trying to understand what we were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, this model didn't wasn't working like it 
could. Right. And so trying to figure it all out. And that's, I went there with a lot of assumptions about they must be lazy, right. you know, kind of hold this list of negative things, right? Right. Because unemployment rate officially is 50 or 60%. So you look at all these numbers and say, well, that right. must be the problem. And it's not the problem. These people will work harder than anybody, but mm -hmm. they just don't have much to work with, right? right? So if you're selling plantains, right. everybody else has the same product, right? So right. You, there's nothing unique about what you have. Right. And you only have a little bit of it. And so what right. we saw with the shoe model is they're hard to come by. Mm -hmm. So they're automatically more valuable. Mm -hmm. And the way that we changed the, because buying and selling used shoes and clothes, like that's an old business, right? It's been a long time. Right. But the people that we were working with, they had, they didn't have very good access to the supply chain, right? They're small buyers. And right. by the time it got to them, all the good stuff had been taken out. And right the price was through the roof. So they had lousy product at a high price. Right. That's a terrible business model. Right. Hard to make money that way. Hard to make money that way. And right. they had the same thing that everybody else had, like them, had. Right. So there was no reason to come and buy it from you or me. Right. So what we figured out is if we could cut out the middlemen of all that process, the guys who drove the price up and took out the good product, right. and got it right to the entrepreneur, maybe that would change the dynamics. Right. And it turned out that was 100% right. So in some cases, we literally saw women triple their income right. like that. Right. And so if your income tripled overnight, your life would be different, right? Right, right. And that's true for these mostly women, especially right. in Haiti, it's mostly right. women. And we didn't have to coach them or do anything other than just to give them that opportunity. And then right. they, they bought a house, they fed their kids more, and they right. got them into school. Like they did this stuff that parents everywhere want for their families. Right. And all we had to do was create that opportunity and get out of the way. And and I think that's what I one of the, if not one of the most things I enjoy about the Souls of Souls model because a lot of times, especially they have got documentaries on Haiti, on Haiti, right? Nobody wants to be a beggar for life, especially as a country, right? And what I like for Souls of Souls is like, you all build power. You know, it's not like you all got they got to depend on you all right. to to survive and make it. It's like no, we have a product. You buy the product from us. We train you, and. You all do your thing. You make the yep. money. You keep the money. And just like any other business, you need to need to re-up, need to resupply. We supply that for you. And like you all, like you said, you cut out the middleman. So I really appreciate that. And I just really wish more um, nonprofits or maybe NGOs specifically mm -hmm. that are in countries like Haiti had more of that model instead of kind of, well, we have to hold your hand the whole way in order for you to benefit from our from you know, our services. One of the things... In it's easier now than it used to be. When we mm. first started, like even my family would be like, you sell shoes to poor people? Right. You are terrible. <laughs> like, right? I mean, it was, right. it was a little tense in some ways. Right. And so what it took me longer to realize, and now I know how key it is. Right. If you give somebody something, they have to take it. Right. right? It's this, there is this weird weird power dynamic right and you have to be grateful for it even if it's not what you need and it doesn't right. serve any real purpose you have to kind of take it right and i get to feel great like i gave you the thing <laughs> right and, right and sort of but what we found out is that when a woman bought shoes mm -hmm. she was an equal right now she's a customer she's not a recipient and that mm -hmm. was a big deal so she could come back and say the price is too high your product's crap I need it, whatever it is, but she is at the table as an equal now, mm -hmm. not as somebody who's just got to accept what you give. Mm -hmm. And that's, that kind of power is transformational, right? Right. When, when these women are already going to the very edge to survive, mm -hmm. 
and now you give them a seat at the table. Right. That's a big deal. What other countries, I mean, I know we talked about Haiti, but I want people to get the, like, the broad aspect. What other countries are so-so-so's, like, partnering with other? Yeah. So we have a couple of countries where, so we sell or distribute shoes in a lot of countries, but right. we're really deep in Haiti, Honduras. We're kicking off in Guatemala. Okay. Uh, in Eastern Europe, in Moldova, we have a, wow. the model's different there. It's more of a retail. And I know people in Moldova. <laughs> I, 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 You're rare. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> I know you in Moldova. Wow. But the, our partner there, right. this guy is a terrific business person, and he employs 450 people. Wow. Right? He's created a big enterprise. Wow. And we've, we're doing some in a couple countries in Africa, okay. but we really haven't found the formula there yet. The, okay. the logistics are really hard. Right. And because we run that part of social schools like a business, logistics cost make the model hard to, for our partners to work. And I right. think that's another thing you touched on it is in these countries, we're not doing this from Nashville. We find a local partner. Right. And that partner's already doing lots of stuff in the community, right? So right. they know people because they're doing food right. or education right. or healthcare, or right. other things, and they want to help create right. jobs or opportunity. So we partner with them and they're the ones who right. make sure that they're Connected in the right way. Right. To the they're already they're they're, they're already they're in trusted. the community. They trust it. Yeah. They're from there. Exactly. Grew up there. So yeah. And I think that's just that's from from my perspective. That's really appreciated because it could easily be you or somebody else to say, oh okay, I'm just gonna move here and then I'm just gonna run everything. Which you know I, I you know people do it, uh, but you know it's 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 how sustainable is that yeah right and i think what you all do is 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 definitely sustainable but it also just I, this i'm just really big about building community power yeah. and i think that's what that does when you all do work directly with community members that are from there live yeah. there and empower them and then go from there um why why did you get into this this work with social enterprise not-for-profit personally so when i when I first really learned about Souls for Souls was when they were doing the search for the CEO. The, the CEO and the founder was gone. It was very messy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that much about the organization. And as I learned more, what, what made me want to come here was the model, was okay. to say, we can use business as a way to help people get out of poverty for the long term. That is super appealing to me. Right. And the thing that actually it's taken me a long time to get my I won't say get my head around because it's pretty easy, but it's right. why are we giving away stuff for free? That was the hard part, <laughs> right? Because I get what can happen when you give people a chance to earn more money and take care of their families. Like that's pretty clear right. and super energizing. Right. And I had a mix of for-profit and not-for-profit background, so that was the perfect melding of that. It's only been in the last year and a half or two, other than natural disasters, which it's clear why people need help right away. Right. right? That's not... That's not complicated. Right. Well, what do we do when we give away a coat or a pair of shoes here in the U.S. or mm -hmm. name a country? Right. And I, I, maybe we can talk more about it, but I think we finally got a good program for how to do that and a reason. Mm -hmm. But for me, the appeal for Souls for Souls for many years was exactly this. Teach a person to fish. I hate to use the cliche, right. but that's, that's what it is, right? right I mean, right. You don't, you, they don't need, they need us because we're suppliers. Right. They don't need us to know how to run their business. Or right. Our, to figure out what to do. Right, right. And everybody has suppliers, some type of, like, exactly. even, you know, somebody's supplying the spinach, and the, yep, that's right. you know, the <laughs> some, somebody supplies something. So that, that definitely makes sense. Um, how did your upbringing maybe influence getting into not-for-profit work instead of, you know, 
just yeah, I can just be a doctor, a lawyer, make a whole bunch of money, and like just you know, hey, I'm a white man in America, like right. <laughs> where's my oyster? Where's right? my oyster? Right? Yeah. Um, so look, I, I I would answer that question differently now than I would two years ago, right? There's a lot. It's why you're doing the work that you're doing, right? That I was not super tuned into because I was the first one in my family to go to college. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't finish high school. Mm. He was a coal miner when I was born. I mean, he changed jobs, but that's kind of where I came from. Right. So it never felt like the world was my oyster, right? Right, right. But looking back now, I realize, man, the amount of advantage I had was huge. Right. And so I think there's always been this part of me, Jerome, I, I get a little sense of it's in you too, is like, I want to do good, right. and I do not, and I want to be successful, right? I want both of those things. Right, right. And I think for a long time, I thought they were sort of incompatible. And mm. now, Souls for Souls has shown me that it's not, right? Every day, I get to work on things and work with people who are trying to create opportunity for others. Right. In a way that's genuine and we all get paid and all that sort of stuff, but it's not about making the money, right? right? right. And so I feel really lucky to have found that. But when I look back at where my parents came from and the kind of work that they did and mm -hmm. their parents did, it's light years away, right? I mean, right. I, I realize how far away one generation can be. Right. And I see that happen in Haiti and Honduras where their kids are gonna grow up differently. Right. And I wanna be a part of that. And right. so, you know, in a place like Haiti, that's less obviously racial, right. but it's much more about kind of what class you're in and right. where you geographically are. Right. And I, I saw what happened for me, and mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that where, where, where and when I can. Right. And this is what I'm, I'm excited to get into this. <laughs> now I'm nervous. I mean, no, no, I'm really excited to get this. Because, like, you know, being able to, to talk to someone I know that, that's been immersed and seen different cultures and communities outside the United States and be able to, like, reflect be able to see things and you like you have to find out something about yourself something new something you didn't know but just think about your own privilege right and i tell people like this even though in the united states i might not have the same privilege that you have just based on our skin color but when i go beyond the united states if i go to haiti if i go to you know uh, latin america in general or south america all these places that I've been to in a way and lived in, I have some type of privilege, just being American, yeah. right? Once they find out I'm American. And so I'm curious, and I'm pretty sure the listeners are, and watchers <laughs> are curious too, how has your travel experience in this particular work um, gave you a, 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 a different lens maybe on your own privilege, your own white privilege, yeah. it made you reflect on that as you're doing this work because and, and I just spoke about this with Will Acuff from Corner to Corner. It's like, hey, like, Christian guy, white, male, doing good work. <laughs> In his case, like, adopted two right. black kids, you know. Right. White savior. Like, that's like, and I know, like, we talked about this before. I know it's like a trigger. You do not want to be in yeah. that bubble at all. And so how has that travel kind of helped you with that lens of, like, white privilege, white power, and... And just dealing with that and reflecting on yourself personally and making sure that you're not in that white savior. And some people might look at it either way and say, hey, you know, he's doing this work. She's right. doing that way. They're white, white savior, whatever. You know, some people <laughs> just like, well, you know, slack. Right. But how do you like, but how do you, you know, you recognize it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's something real. But how do you deal with that internally to making sure that, you know, you're intentional about and genuine about 
the work that you do and in, in the in, in the power that you're trying to build. Yeah. And I try to prevent from using the word help, right? Because right. I don't think I don't think so. So in a way, it's help, but I think it's more you're, you're building power like for people. And so. Yeah. Can, can you speak on that a so little bit? I, and I know it's a loaded question, but this is the part I'm really excited about, y'all, because this is... This so is. I would go back, for me, way before Souls for Souls. So when I was in college, I did a six-week course in India. Okay. And that was the first time where I was... I, I'd only traveled a little bit before outside the U.S., mm-hmm. but it was to Western Europe, right? So right. language-wise, I was out of my depth, but not right, really. I right. Mean, I felt like I was a long way from home, but going to India totally flipped my world upside down, right? I mean, I didn't understand anything about mm-hmm. what was going on and I came back again it's sort of a cliche but like I came back a different person my family remarked on it at the time and so that set me up to believe that travel in and of itself is a giant window right mm-hmm. I mean it's a it's a real opportunity to see other people and yourself in a different way right so that's one piece uh, the other work that I did I worked for a long time at an membership organization called YPO, the Young Presidents Organization, which was global. I traveled a lot in the very top thin slice, right? It was a very different world, Mm -hmm. but exposure to lots of people. So all that came together for me at Souls for Souls to realize this is a way for people to connect with what we do. If you're one of the ones who put shoes in the box, to go see how it gets turned into something on the ground, that's a, you don't often get to see that full circle, right? So our travel program is really important. But it didn't take me long to realize that in how we were marketing and talking about it, we were doing more of the white savior thing, right? We were saying, let's go help these people. Right. And it was kind of, it was difficult because it was risky from a marketing and financial perspective, but Mm -hmm. to start to say to people, the one who's gonna be changed is not where you're going. It's you when you come back. Mm. So I, I don't know if we hit it head on and say, don't be a white savior. I mean, we did <laughs> right. those kinds of things to say, right. first of all, just like there's some basic respect that you owe people here. Right. But the real thing is you go in there and give them a pair of shoes or playing with the kids at the orphan. Like what are those things are? Right. They mean something. Right. But what's gonna change more fundamentally is you you're going to leave and your finger comes out of the pool and you know right Right. there's maybe a little ripple but it doesn't last long right but you can come back and be a really different person right so we really encouraged everyone to think about that inner journey not kind of the instagram picture of you holding a little black kid in haiti right which like we almost stopped right Right? i'm not 100 percent, but a lot of that went away right and I think that made our program stronger. So that's one piece is to focus on where the change is really happening. Mm-hmm. But the second piece is to, to your point of, I'd like to just give you a recent example. So we have really strong partners in Haiti and Honduras. And for different reasons, the la- COVID hit them really hard. Right. Haiti was already in lots of trouble, uh, economically and politically. Right. But the business part of what we do is they owed us money. Right. Like they, we sent in the shoes. Right. And we use that money to pay our people and do our work. Right. Pay me. Right. And so there was this moment where, like, damn it, you you got to pay. Right. And then to step back and realize, like, especially the guy in Haiti, there was a time when he's like, I can't stay the same place every night. Like, pe- people like me are getting kidnapped. He's a Haitian-American guy. People wow. like me are getting kidnapped. I, like, wait a minute. I can't go to the bank. I can't get more than $100 out of the bank at a time. Wow. And so... It was one of those kind of, I don't know if it was a white savior moment, but it was like those 
worlds are so different. Right. That the stuff that I'm frustrated about is like not even the top 100 of what he's worried about. Right. And so I think the ability sometimes, <laughs> I wish it had happened sooner for me, but right. is to realize that the situation on the ground drives a lot. Right, you can, we can talk about culture and race and class and all that sort of stuff, but right. when people are getting kidnapped and the government's unstable and your currency's worth 50% of what it was a year ago, right. that erases a lot of those kinds of things, right? Because you've got to right. deal with the immediate. And same thing in Honduras. They had two back-to-back -back Category 5 hurricanes. Mm. The flooding was unbelievable. Like they were, Raul, our partner there, sent me pictures of people, body parts hanging out of crocodile mouths. Like it was unbelievable. Right? This isn't a big city. Right. And to say, wait, we don't, we're not going to ask questions about your plan. Like, just get you some money so you can start to help your people. Like, right. Don't, we don't want receipts. Right. And ordinarily, that would be kind of what we would do. Right. And so I just think trying to be more sensitive to the immediate context. Mm -hmm. You can't do that unless you've traveled and been there and spent time. And right. Because intellectually, you can't get all the way where you right. need to get on everybody this is your host and creative deep dish conversation jerome moore and i know you're enjoying this episode that you're watching currently make sure you hit that notification button and hit subscribe so you won't miss any of these amazing episodes i appreciate y'all thank you for all love support and continue watching the episode so if um i want to have this happen have you had because i know you all work with um, some universities like and people can come and do the uh, the international yep. uh shoe experience shoe job experience um what do you what do you do or is there actions being taken if you know if i'm if i'm a white kid i'm, I'm a student right i'm yep. young i'm you know maybe this is my first time abroad and i want to i want to be a do-gooder right, right? <laughs> <laughs> i just want to you know um but hey you know i'm in a generation of instagram and facebook and you know i want to make you know i want to make myself feel good i really right. don't understand the concept of like kind of the what i'm actually doing other than i'm taking the trip I'm a, it's going to look good. I'm doing something that may look good on my resume and stuff right. like, as a student, right? Um, and you see that and you, and you witness like they're not really, do you, is there a point where you try to have that conversation with that student or, you know, maybe even a, a, an adult yeah. that doesn't get it? Um, have you had to have those conversations? Are they tensed or? So we try to have those conversations before we go. Right? Okay. We have our travel leader, often they're working with a university, for example. They might be working for six, 12 months before the trip. So there's a lot of interaction before okay. you go. Uh, the university trips, there's always a coach or an AD or somebody you know who's, who is that kind of responsible person. Right. So that's another kind of safety valve. But I think the most important thing, and our travel team developed this on their own, is every night, you have to sit down and reflect and talk about what you do, right? So right. you just don't like, hey, let's go paint houses, give away shoes, whatever, right. come back, go to some nice hotel bar and dinner, and then you're on your own. I mean, you hear people, not just university students, like, God, y'all, can you just let up on us? Like, we worked all day, and now you're making me work all night? Like, yeah, because this is when the work happens. This is right. when the work about you is going to mm -hmm. happen. And so, like I said, it's not 100%. Right. Uh, there's no question about that. Right. But I think there aren't very many people who are unthinking when they do it. Right. Now. So right. it's tricky. We've never had we've never had a blow up. We've never really get off the rails. Right. Um, we've had probably a few conversations like you need to kind of get back on the right. on the plan here. Right. But it hasn't been that hard because it's okay. not a 
it's not a hard sell for the most part. And your point though about lots of first time travelers, mm-hmm. never, never been out of the country, that's right. also a really powerful thing, right? right. So right. we used to do a program here in Nashville with uh, the capstone program, so high school seniors. Mm-hmm. They would go through it and then they would travel with us. And for so many kids, their first passport some first time out of Tennessee right. so that's a that's a real we took that responsibility really seriously right. and the impact I mean some of these kids they come back and they're like I'm going to do something different with my life than what I thought right. so that kind of thing right. doesn't happen all the time but it's pretty cool right. when it does yeah and, and, and you know from my own like travel experiences that's how I know to ask these type of questions because I know what it did for me and there's no way I would have had that lens or I don't know if I would have developed it or if it would have came because like you, like you have to be there. Like some things you just can't get from reading or what. Like you can, you, can, you can empathize, you know, maybe contextualize a little bit, but it's like it's different in it and it makes you evaluate who you are and what you're doing and how you're doing it and what's really important. But also it, it, it helps you get rid of like unintentional biases that you may have about a particular group, a particular country, yeah. because of the propaganda that, you know, we see here in the United States, you know, um, you know, doesn't always show the best light of some of the countries You know, and I'd, be, I'd be curious what your experience has been around this, Jerome, because it's, it's something that kind of bugs me, and I, and I don't know how to feel about it all the time. And I felt it, so I mean, I, I'm guilty of what I'm about to say, and that is, you go to some place in the developing world mm-hmm. that's really rough, that's really poor. Mm-hmm. And one of the feelings is gratitude mm-hmm. for what you have at home. And I think that's appropriate, but it also seems kind of cheap. Like if, if, that, if it were to stop there mm-hmm. about, man, compared to these folks, I've got it great, which right. is true. Right. But then what, I think, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. If we don't help people get to that step right. by doing reflections and journaling or right. whatever on the trip, right. or is for me just as like, that's, professionally what I need to do right it's somewhere between the sort of white savior and and really knowing that right. what moves the needle right but I don't know maybe because gratitude is something that's hard to avoid when you yeah. travel like that right yeah like I definitely say like now for sure like living in some of the conditions I've, I've lived I've lived for lived in in other countries i'm like yeah i, I don't think i want to you know voluntarily i don't want this one to go back or i don't want like this is not something i want like i aim to maintain that like to right. keep um so i think that like I, I don't i don't think anything is wrong with like just recognizing that like like that's just like i don't like the people that are living in those circumstances don't want to live in those circumstances exactly right so like i know i, I know i don't either now <laughs> Now, it's, now, I think it's another part to it is like, well, like, I, I think it's a challenge for people as individuals, like, well, how can, like, can I stay in, in these conditions yeah. in order to use and leverage my skill sets that I've attained in a more developed world in order to kind of build power, community development, you know, those things there. But then you get into that, like you kind of said, like just savior mentality, American savior mentality in general. Well, how can I do something that's going to be sustainable where I don't have to be here? Yeah. And that's and that's the thing. And like, 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 you know, I was a Peace Corps volunteer and that's a conversation that's kind of fickle. Who's who's yeah. it benefiting more? Like, is it benefiting the volunteer? Is it benefiting the community? Yeah. Um, and I think it's a little and both in a way. Um, but, you know, hey, you're getting a college student 
you know, fresh, you know, for two years, 27 months going to Peace Corps, don't really know much about community development. So they're yeah. learning and trying to figure yeah. it out. And so they're definitely benefiting and hopefully reflecting, getting to know. And their community is getting in an American and that, that has resources to, you know, to a governmental agency that they can pour in and do programs and things like that. But, you know, um, and, and, and it's hard for for somebody that's 21, 22, yeah. 23 to understand of like, just, just know how to create sustainability and this is your first time in this setting. And so like, it's it's something that, yeah, I think you just try to be intentional and try to be, be intentional about like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. And this is what I don't want to happen. But I think, you know, like, like, like people like me and stuff that have seen these things and been in these, like, I tell people not, I don't want to, right. I don't, yeah, I don't, I but don't. But I think your point about yeah. And the people who live in them don't yeah, either. No. Like, mm. there's just this thing like, oh, they all seem so happy. That's right. kind of bullshit. Right. They are not happy eating right. once a day. Right. No. Getting sick when they drink the wine. Right. Whatever those things right. are that they live no, with they're every the, day. They're the most kindest. They're kind. They're kind. They, yeah, they're, they but, yeah. They're not happy living in that. Right. No. And if you stay there long enough, they express it to you. Yeah. Or they'll let you know. You know, like, hey, I'm 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 grateful for my one to two meals that I get because I know I could get zero. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like they would definitely, you yeah. know, like better opportunities or you know, if they could, you know, be in better situations, they definitely would. And so it's 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 a it's one of those things. Like for myself personally, that's why I feel like having these conversations and be able to to not just talk about the travel part of it, right? Because yeah. I think people, when they, like, travel, that's, like, it's, you can go on vacation, it's cool. But I think it's deeper, well, uh, we, more we, important, We changed our work. model on this travel thing, Jerome, mm -hmm. because it used to be you could just write a check and travel with us. Right. Right? And I think we were starting to get off track. Like, we were going to places because somebody wanted to go, not because right. we had a reason to be there. Right. So COVID, we were already going down that track. COVID obviously stopped that in its path. And we're like, right. okay, this... We should take advantage of this chance to reevaluate. And now right. you have to earn your trip. You have to collect shoes or money to be able to go. You can't just write a check. Wow. And we've narrowed where we go. We're going to go mm -hmm. to the to fewer places and go deeper just so we can do what you so we can really understand and be a part. So when people see us, they're not mm -hmm. like, oh, here come these guys that are going to come through and paint and do a crappy right. job of painting our mm -hmm. houses. Right. Like right. these people are here because they are here for the long term. Right. And I love that. And we trust them. Right. No, I love that. Because and and it's so and it's and, and it's kind of like a pet peeve because I I see it all the time via social media. It's so easy just to go travel, have fun. These you know I'm saying this, but it's like like I I don't know if it's just based on my experience and the deeper meaning of what I want to get out of it, but just the self reflection of just myself, but also of other community, other cultures, and then what does that mean to me coming back here to the United States, and how does that impact what I do next? Kind of like yeah. you mentioned. And I think those are the type of conversations just in, around just traveling abroad and stuff that I want to have more that I think is just deeper and more important than just the overall, like, just leaving the United States in general. Like, yeah, it's, so right. much, it's so much more impactful. But I'm glad to hear that, like, that Souls of Souls is being intentional about that uh, in this model and just not saying, hey, yeah, I want to go here. And then, like, right. <laughs> I'm we, go here. we did a trip to Morocco. And, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of poverty in Morocco. Mm -hmm. There's a, a real entrepreneurial opportunity there for some of these women have already done amazing things. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing? Like, there's no strategy here. Somebody right. just said, let's go to Morocco, and suddenly we're... We're in Morocco. We're in Morocco. 
people had a great experience, so it mm -hmm. wasn't so we so we delivered what we said we would do, but mm -hmm. the why part, man, like we lost that, and so mm -hmm. it was kind of a and it was hard on our team, like mm -hmm. they have to learn everything all over again. So mm -hmm. it wasn't good for our team. Mm -hmm. It wasn't clear with our purpose, but we were meeting a market need. Mm -hmm. That's not why we're in business. Like that's right. not the job. Right. We're not a travel company. Right. We're here about creating opportunities. So once we had that conversation, like ah, that's the thing to get anchored on right. again. And so I've always said this. I feel like Souls with Souls should uh, have a bigger name here in Nashville. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons why I wanted to get, you know, buddy on the bench, because people really need to understand, like, how, how crucial and amazing, you know, Souls with Souls is. It's not an international model, but what y'all do here domestically as well. And so um, one of my, like, meaningful experiences um, with Souls with Souls is we was at, I think, uh, Martha, Martha O'Brien. Mm -hmm. And we was like literally putting shoes on kids' feet, right? Yeah. Like literally taking off like shoes that just wasn't like yeah. functional anymore and putting on new shoes. And it's like, man, you know, like the small things like that just makes makes people's just it just and it did a lot for me. And but it's like I seen the you joy. Saw the kids. Yeah, I seen yeah. the kid is like, wow. You know, and it just makes you reflect on your childhood and the shoes that you know, it's just like and it's like, man, like you know, they probably, 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 you know, as kids, you can jump faster, right? Jump faster, higher, jump right. For sure, you're you know? faster. And so it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it did a lot for me. Uh, but I know I've seen, seen what it did for the kids and just the experience to just do that. Like, take shoes off and put shoes on yeah. that are functional, new, right? Um, what are some things that you all have got currently happening here in Nashville? Yeah. Um, I definitely want to speak about, like, the... Um, the homelessness as far as yeah. with the MNPS, Metro National Public Schools. You know, when we started talking, Jerome, I said it took me a long time to figure out the sort of why are we giving away free stuff mm -hmm. outside of the natural disasters. And about, it's almost two years ago now, um, Janie Day, who used to run Second Harvest here, she's an amazing woman. She just retired and we're like, hey, why don't you come and talk to us about what we don't know, mm -hmm. which is a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> and so she said, I think I know something you should focus on. So there are a, there's a lot of focus in public schools around kids who experience homelessness. And so the first two priorities have to be housing and food, right? So right. That's, that was Janie's lens. She said, right. but there's a much bigger need here that nobody's thinking about, and shoes are a part of that. So we'd worked some with Metro Nashville schools before, but it had been kind of like, oh, this is what we have. Can you use it? So it was very reactive. Right. So once Janie said, look, there's a bigger sort of a program here. We started talking to Catherine Knowles, who's the head of, I think it's called the HERO program here, but it's the, mm -hmm. the, the programmatic piece of the schools that works with kids who are experiencing homelessness. And she said, shoes are a giant need. You know, people don't think about it. Right. We buy them when we need to from Amazon. We just go on Amazon and buy the cheapest shoes that we can find. Right. Which is not great for the kid. Right. And the other piece, <clears throat> once we started talking to other schools, teachers, administrators, as, as uniforms become more important, like the place where you can differentiate yourself is your shoes. shoes right. So if your shoes are falling apart, don't fit, aren't cool, you're, you're, you're more of a target. Right. You can't participate fully in PE and those other kinds of things. And right. So the teacher said, this is a pretty big problem. So once we started to unpeel that a little bit, there are a million and a half kids in the U.S. who experience homelessness in any given school year. Like wow. it's a staggering number. And wow. then we're like, okay, we'll bring that down. It's 4,000 kids in Metro Nashville schools. Are you kidding me? 
wow. H- how can we do that? Right, right. So we're like, well, if they need shoes and this is Souls for Souls, we should, we should be involved in trying to figure this out. Right. So we're about to launch, Jerome, a, a big initiative to get to that 1.5 million. But this year, we distributed about 35,000 pairs in Edmond Metro Nashville and maybe 20 other districts around the country. Right. And our goal is to give every kid in that category mm-hmm. a new pair of branded athletic shoes once a year. Right. And so we started that. Right. And we've been, I think, doing, trying to be much more diligent of like, what's the impact? Right. Measure tell, tell us what's happening. Right. And I have to say, I mean, I knew it would be good. Like you just said, you, right. you get that, you know what it feels like. Right. But so kids show up to school more because they have shoes. Right. They participate more. Wow. The teachers say, I see a difference. But the other thing that I was not expecting, and it was a big number, 70% of these kids, older kids, use these shoes so they could go to work. Wow. They didn't have, they had crappy shoes for work. Right. Wow. And so maybe they have to walk to work or they have the wrong kind when they get there. That's a big, that's a double win, right? Right, right, yeah. Because they're yeah. able now to help their family economically, whatever that means. Right. And they have shoes that they feel good about. Right. So it sounds kind of squishy to talk about the, how it makes you feel. Right. But when you feel like I belong here and I go back to school, right. that is not a squishy thing. Right. right. If you show up more and you get a high school edu- education instead of dropping out, right. that's a big damn deal. Yeah, yeah. So... We have a long way to go, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's gonna change so much for us. Right. But now, uh, at least for me personally, excuse me, there is a super clear reason why we're giving shoes to people, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of kids that we know how to, how to identify. We know how mm-hmm. to get the shoes to them through the schools. Right. The schools have all these other services that they're providing, right? This isn't like they didn't create some vanity program to give right. away shoes. Right. And the results so far are super positive so we're going to really put the pedal down on that buddy just to just to close us out <laughs> and i really don't want to close y'all just be honest i really don't want to close but this is closes out um how can people one you have a book yep and i meant to ask to tell you to bring because I, I wanted this but um i can't remember shoestrings 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 is the name of the book how can people uh tap in and, and, and get the book so shoestrings is on amazon okay that's the easiest way, probably. Okay. Get the book, Shoestrings. <laughs> uh, how can people um, get involved with Souls for Souls, whether that's, you know, volunteering, donating, yeah. or just contacting you to learn, out more, learn more about the programs and initiatives that you are Sure. Having. So I'll start with uh, donating your used shoes and clothes. That's the, we all have that. Right. So if you go to our website, and put in your zip code, it'll tell you the closest place to drop something off. Okay. We have partnerships with DSW, so you can go to any DSW. There are always places right. that are changing, and there's some that are static. If there's nothing close, we have an incredible partnership with Zappos, where okay. they will pay for the shipping, so you can put up to 50 pounds in a box, print on a label, UPS will take it, and Zappos pays for the shipping. So there's always that option. Okay. And if you're here in Middle Tennessee, we have bins around as well. So there's lots okay. of ways to, to do that. And that's something that everybody, we, you know, right. almost everybody can do. We earn about 75% of our revenue from our micro program. So we have to fundraise some, and that's right. for our free distribution. That's gonna change with For Every Kid. We're gonna have to, right. we'll have to buy shoes probably to make that work. 
So if you want to contribute to Souls for Souls or specifically for For Every Kid, mm -hmm. go to our website, make a donation. It's super easy. Okay. That's easy. If you just want to know what we're doing, right. sign up for our newsletter, right? We, we try to be, <laughs> we, we don't ask all the time, but we try to share, really what we try to do is share stories of the impact, right? right? So that if you are donating shoes or money or clothes, you understand right. what that, how that translates into something. Right. Um, and I'm always happy to talk. So you can right. reach me through our website and uh, I'm on LinkedIn, right. Facebook and Twitter. And, and as you all know, Buddy is an amazing storyteller. So like, <laughs> he can tell a story <laughs> for sure. But, oh, take, 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 take my shoes, clothes, whatever, take whatever, take my time. But no, I, I, I really want, I really wanted people to um, really know more about Souls and Souls, but also you and the reason why you're in this work and the experiences through Souls and Souls and how it changed you as a person, especially just traveling and, and seeing the impact that like putting shoes and clothes on people can have, but also building power by creating entrepreneurs, right? And so that, and I want people to get that, like, like it's, it's sustainable. It's sustainable development that like empowers everybody, but empowers mostly the person that needs it most. Yeah. Um, Buddy, I, I, I appreciate your time. Oh, I don't know if I mentioned, Buddy's an ultra runner. Did I mention that? I can't remember. But he <laughs> runs like 100Ks, uh, <laughs> 50Ks, all this stuff. It's amazing. You Y'all just have to talk to Buddy. And Buddy, I'm going to ask you another uh, question off the camera because I'm just curious. Uh, but it's going to it's gonna be about the spaceships. And just like, just curious on where you, you know, how. Oh, man, these, I didn't see that these, coming. These billionaires are putting their money in spaceships. And, and like, is it, don't, yeah, I'm just, don't get me I'm just, started. I'm, I'm going to get you started. Don't ah, get me started. See, ah, part two coming soon but no buddy i appreciate it uh you all listeners watchers i appreciate you all tapping into another episode of deep this conversation with buddy teaster uh ceo and president of souls and souls thank you buddy it was a pleasure uh, thanks he's taking the pizza home the pizza. with him yeah nobody ever finishes a pizza that's a good thing <laughs> y'all have a good one we out that's it thanks buddy all right that was great yeah